Feldman? I mean, I didn't I didn't free the next 87 hours of my schedule. Should I have done that? So we could actually make this meaningful? I'm sorry. What a fool I am. Well, okay. I'm going to pull up this. Yeah. Sorry. 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 You, you, you do you. I'm sorry. I'm pretend I'm not here. Apparently you already had those three. You, you pre-gamed before? No, or? no, I didn't. I just got home from the you, concert. I just poured a glass of wine. I just have barely been sleeping lately. It's been it's been busy, so I'm in a different mindset than usual. I'm probably going to be very frank tonight if I if I can be. You you have emotionally pre-gamed for this. I, ha- I have very Whoa! much so, which I think is I think Whoa. is great. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, welcome to Over Drinks. We've got kind of a weird one tonight. Did we even decide what we were going to call this? I don't know. Andrew, you, I, I, you had did, an idea. Did you veto my suggestion? No, I, I thought my suge- I thought it was a great suggestion. My my suggestion for the title of this was Wait, really? WTF? <laughs> and that would kind of mean like we are discussing pieces that we probably as composers and educators should like but for whatever reason just cannot <laughs> what a cannot. Loaded, what a loaded statement as educators right? we should all like the same stuff <laughs> <laughs> i mean as well as composers like i don't know that we're talking about some Maybe I, I would say the, uh, the piece that "quote unquote" you don't like mm-hmm. uh, is perhaps the least well known, mm-hmm. but the other two pieces are like really, really famous yeah. pieces. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So, so anyway, before we get to all that business, mm-hmm. more more important things are at hand. I'm gonna go first <laughs> because I'm bore. I'm boring. I have the exact same thing I had last time, which mm-hmm. is just bourbon. <laughs> got this big vat of bourbon sitting in front oh, of me it's a vat. i love it um the four roses small batch it's still great good andrew good, good. i thought i saw some kind of purple bottle there <laughs> yeah yeah because uh you decided to do the same thing i still got this mike's hard black cherry lemonade in the fridge so i'm 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 about using the entire buffalo rob i'm about <laughs> just uh it's it's gonna be drank until it's gone so i i have to, i mean we were talking so much on the last one that we did with andrea about like you had just come from rob deemer's birthday celebration where you had like all the wine and yep. and then you poured on some mike's hard res whatever the hell it is how'd you feel yep. the next day uh we won't talk about that okay <laughs> carter what do you have going on over there um so well, I have a good time going on over here is what I have going on right now. And um, <laughs> I am drinking some lovely white wine. It came from a box and um, yes. it's delicious. I don't drink much these days. Fun fact, I've, I've been probably having like an average of a drink every two weeks, maybe. Um, I've really sort of cut back, which is not to say I don't drink much anyway. Um, but it, it, I've now had a third of the glass since we started. So it's gonna go to work, <laughs> and, and I'm also we've been sleep recording deprived. for like five minutes. I know, yeah. Um, and so I think it's gonna be it's gonna be very effective. Which is it's delicious, though. It's delicious. I love a liquid that comes from a rectangle. Right, it's you know? it's pleasing, and it fits in the fridge so well. And you know, like 
It's just yeah, you can stack you it. You can stack. That's, the, yeah. that's the, the measure. Yeah, that's the that's the measurement we're using to compare. Can you stack this wine? It's it's wonderful, and it's like it lasts so much longer. I open it. I don't have to go like, oh, when did I open it? Just it like lasts like a month or something. It's great. Yeah, it's good. It's good. So that's what I'm drinking. It'll get the job done, and that's the point, <laughs> well, right? Well, yes. <laughs> so. Uh, through a, basically, who, who, who even came up with this idea? I can't even remember now. Was, I, think, was it you? I, I feel like I was typed the first sentence that kind of, um, like hinted at the idea. And then the three of us solidified it pretty quickly over the course of a, a conversation. So sweet through that process, we basically just said, okay, there are pieces that it's, I, I almost have a little bit of guilt that I don't like the some of the pieces on that list some of the other ones i'm like just you know fuck them i'm i'm done with them mm-hmm. um <laughs> but this this one for me in particular so we'll we'll just go through my piece that for all intents and purposes i should like or i should have more respect for or something like that is joseph schwantner's aftertones of infinity andrew what's the piece that you should like so yeah, the the seminal work that I should like, and I should preface this by saying, as educators, I think we can all appreciate these pieces. Don't speak for the whole group already. Yeah. We, we just got started. Okay. <laughs> um, my the work the work that I should like is uh, Stockhausen's Gesang der Jünglinge. Mm-hmm. And Carter. Um, well, if we're being specific for the podcast, um, we're 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 na- we're being polite <laughs> and we're narrowing it down to the piano and string quartets of of Morty Feldman. Um, but I believe specifically when we were sort of comparing options, I had just said all Feldman, and I will qualify <laughs> that the collected writings of Morton Feldman are among my favorite things. I love what that guy said about music. Um, I just don't love how he actualized it. Oh man, that's a, that's an entire other podcast. We could do an entire other mm-hmm. podcast of composers' writings yeah. that we really enjoy, and then we go, "But why doesn't your music sound better?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love all of your thoughts. <laughs> I mean, are you are you kind of that way on Cage as well? I am very much so, actually. And I mean, I think I appreciate listening to Cage a little bit more because I think that like his use of elect- uh sorry of, of technology and experimentalism is a bit more out there than Feldman. So but but in the same ballpark, yeah, I, I enjoy a lot more of what Cage has to say and sort of how he feels and thinks about stuff, but I often don't find myself enjoying the the musical result. Hmm. Okay. Well, who wants to get yelled at first? Ooh, me. Pick me. <laughs> you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> okay. So so Andrew, I got I gotta ask, do you find do you like a lot of other Stockhausen? Do you find that just in general his stuff you know doesn't drive with you, or is this piece an exception? Where's where's it where's it fit with the rest of his output? Uh, uh, you know, I think I think I kind of have a hard time with anything that Stockhausen does where there's voice involved, mm-hmm. and and I'm not I'm not necessarily saying that Gesang der Jünglinge is is entirely maybe fitting in that with that but it, but since it does have uh you know recorded 
uh, uh, voice as part of it. Uh, I just kind of find it interesting that 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 falls uh, very neatly into that category. So so the things Stockhausen does with voice, I have I have never been real a really huge fan of. Um, but you know things like uh, Kreuzspiel and and uh, a few other things. I, I kind of geek out about mm-hmm. some Stockhausen, sure. but just yeah, Gesang der Jünglinge, no. Okay, okay. I was just curious because I mean I I, I think when. I remember when I got to Bowling Green, you know, um, I remember I got there and I, I was I, at some point, I think I like said to someone like, oh, have you heard of this, this Stockhausen fella? And everyone was like, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was funny. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's right. I'm not in Kansas anymore. Um, Kansas yeah. metaphorically meaning the plains of North Dakota, which is, you know, six of one. But uh, yeah. Okay. So I was just curious because. And I'll be honest, I'll say I have mixed feelings on some of Stockhausen stuff, too, so I can see where you're coming from. But this piece, I happen to actually think is is pretty cool. Um, and I, I actually think, for some reason, I don't know, when I when I think of Stockhausen, I think of voices, that's when I think of stuff that excels for me, actually, with his stuff. And I, I find it funny that for you, it's the exact inverse. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, I, I mean, I think of how much I enjoy listening to Contacta, mm-hmm. and and th- I mean that that's a that's a piece that I do kind of enjoy listening to. But yeah. So, um, for I, I mean, <laughs> as he clears his throat, <laughs> we, we just we just kind of launched into it. But I mean, for anyone who doesn't sure. anyone who doesn't know this piece, I mean, go out and listen to it immediately. But it is mm. a. Uh, piece that was written in 1956 and it's yep. a purely i mean at that time it would have been called a tape piece um yes and i mean you know tape music really was in its just infancy at that point we're talking the first decade of tape music and yes. i still this this is one of two pieces from that decade that I listen to for enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Just to near huh. nearly everything else from that time period is just like, you know, because uh I I teach electronic music, I have had to listen to all these pieces year after year mm-hmm. after year. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. and the the rest of them, the, you know, the Yusachevsky and the Schaefer and the Henri and all of the the even the Bruno Moderna, mm. all of that stuff from the early period. I'm just like, I almost have to give my class a little like asterisk and say, mm-hmm. I I know I I know what you're <laughs> feeling right now. Okay, mm. I understand, I get it. I get but it. it's important and we need to learn about it. Yeah. But I understand, oh. mm-hmm. you know. Well, and and one of the one of the big reasons that this piece is is particularly important and why it's um why it's on the listening list as as the the two of you know because all of us have taught technology or, or electronic music in some guys yeah. um the the two of you more than i have um but you know i've done a few survey courses and and things like that that are that are more history driven so this particular piece of stockhausen's is uh, do we say the first is it the first piece that incorporates both uh, uh, electronic sound that is artificially generated sound and uh, music concrete or or recorded sound and kind of fuses them together. Oh, I don't know. Do we say that? That's a good question. I feel like no, I, but I, I but I, I don't know. <laughs> like I, I, I don't, sorry. I mean, I genuinely don't know. I, I the only no, that's fine. the only reason I say this is because I remember I had a conversation not terribly long ago with Mike Pounds about this, and we were realizing that it seems like everyone mm. disagrees on what's the first of this, that, or the other with everything, and like two different textbooks side by side will seemingly 
that that should be authorities on something will just be very wrong on that. So I, <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, you know what I mean? I don't know. I um, yeah, yeah, I hesitate. I hesitate to even to call it the first. Okay. Just I mean, certainly in uh, Cologne in that studio where Stockhausen were, was working, oh. that was certainly yeah, the God, first yeah. there. Yeah. And because yeah. I I think the only thing the only reason we would make a big deal out of that was because you know you had Paris and Cologne that were kind of dueling studios and and equally dueling ideologies. And here's someone who takes something from both of them. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that right. there weren't other studios. You know, not many. But there weren't other studios popping up at the time, so it's like, I, I, I don't know if that little factoid is so important mm-hmm. about this piece. I mean, it's I guess it's important if you're looking at if you're looking at history through that European lens. Yes, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't looked at my uh, Tom Holmes electronic <laughs> yeah. text uh, yeah. since yes. in two years, so well, that, that's I, I wouldn't be able books- to tell you. That's one of the ones that we like looked at, and it it, it kind of had like a different answer. I forget what the other book we were looking at, but it, it was seemingly disparaging. And I would probably err on the side of agreeing with Tom Holmes, and I, I think that's such a good book. But um, yeah. I real quick, I Andrew, you're being far too nice for this being yeah, a piece really? that you don't like. So crank it up a notch, please. Bottoms up. Oh, and yeah, second, why do you second, hate man? <laughs> secondly, um, Rob, just a real quick spin back to something. Did I actually hear you say you still enjoy listening to music? Is that what you led with earlier? Because I haven't had that for years. So I don't know what you're doing. But sometime halfway through the doctorate, it just fell off. Um, so that's good for you. That that absolute, it, it did fall off halfway through the doctorate for me too. But uh, I... Th- it's been steadily gaining yeah, momentum. I, I've, yeah, I've been gaining gaining it back. Okay. Gaining it back, at least a little bit, you know. Yeah. Okay, well, that, that's good. That's good. Maybe yeah. I, Maybe I'll get there. Anyway, um, okay. So Andrew, I, so, I, so wait, oh, wait, wait. Whoa, no, whoa. I've been, I've been, I've been challenged to dial it up a little. <laughs> yes, yeah. So uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if this exactly is exactly what you're you're referencing. But Rob made a made a point to say that that this is one of the only pieces from that particular era mm-hmm. that he he kind of uh, enjoys enjoys listening to. Yeah. Um, and when I listen to this piece, I can't help but make some types of associations with uh, the uh, Milton Babbitt uh, ensembles for synthesizer. Um, Wasn't that and, also and on your I list of that, stuff you hated? <laughs> say that. Say that. I'm pretty sure it was. And <laughs> so, <laughs> and and it was it was one of those. And and Rob, did you just roll your eyes? Was that a, was that an eye roll of agreement that anything you say about Babbitt is going to get an eye roll from me? Okay. <laughs> He was okay, probably so on little, my list of biased. hated music, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, so there's there's something there's something about the overall sonic landscape of of Gesang der Jünglinge that that I when I listen to it, I do put it in the same kind of sonic camp as the the Babbitt. For uh, maybe that's a complete error on my part, but because of the rate of information supplied and the rate of timbral change. There's a couple. There's a well, more than a couple. If I'm if I'm to be fair and honest, there's some moments that I just feel are are completely out of place for my aesthetic. And I'm like, yeah, no, nothing had to change there. Why did that change? Mm-hmm. 
You're still being way too nice. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a nice no, guy. Nice I'm a guy. nice no, guy. I don't think I've ever once in my life met someone at a conference and they're like, oh, you know Andrew Smith? And I'm like, yeah, that horrible bastard. I've never. <laughs> yeah, that asshole. That's never crossed my mind. Okay. But I, I want to comment on that because I, so I don't like a lot of Babbitt, which is funny because I'll defend Babbitt to the death if someone attacks him. But, you know, but at the same oh, yeah. time, I won't. And when I say anyone, I mean some stupid little sophomore undergrad. Muggle. Who's, I don't, a muggle. I don't like Babbitt, you know. And then, then I'll then I'll say no, Babbitt's amazing. But uh, what's funny to me is I hear this piece and generally Stockhausen's works that involve electronics as being so radically disparate to to Babbitt for me because I uh, the criticisms you were just sort of stating against this work I think those jive with me when talking about Babbitt, especially his electronic works and the stuff that he got out of the Mark II and all that. Um, but to me, oh, yeah. the electronic gestures in this are just so far ahead of his contemporaries and they're so yeah. sophisticated and so intricate and so granular and so deep and just, I don't know, like, I, despite the dated technology, which of course dates it and gives it away, to me, I hear right. them and I'm just yeah. like, oh, the timing and the precision, I don't know, I just don't... I agree with what you're saying if you were talking about Babbitt, but when it's talking about this piece, you're wrong. You're just wrong. Wrong, my friend. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just flat out yeah. incorrect. <laughs> Carter, I, I absolutely agree with you. And mm-hmm. to think that all of that precision and all of that sophistication was mm-hmm. done on tape... Yeah, on tape. Well, he he did he did have a zoom, so don't forget about that, and that came in really handy. Okay, <laughs> zoom. Yeah. Oh, can um, I? T- I found I found an iPod Shuffle in the hallway the other day, and I listened to about thirty minutes of it before I turned it into Lost and Found. <laughs> I just wanted to, whoever it was had phenomenal taste in music, so that's fine. But you know. Was was Gazang du Yunlinga? It, it was actually just an iPod full of that. It was really, it was a very forward-thinking music major. Anyway, so so uh, on that on that topic of like how and and for for me that's why I I still love this piece. It's because the electronic gestures. I mean, realistically, he has he's cutting and splicing tape of the recorded mm-hmm. uh, boy soprano, but then he has impulses and filters. Mm-hmm. You know, and he does so much yeah. with just tone generators and filters. Mm-hmm. And I, I and you get so much the the gestures are so intricate and interesting. Mm-hmm. And Andrew, you were saying like the tam timbrely things shift in a way that, you know, you're not so into. Yeah. But I, I wanna wait, you yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'll let you finish. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm actually surprised in a way that you don't like this because of your predilection for algorithmic composition and, and, and things of the sort, but I want Mm. to, I have, I have this wonderful book that I pulled out of my own personal library today. I think think that's on the shelf behind me too, actually. You two two have the exact same book in your hands just about right now. (laughs) Oh, actually mine might be in my office. I don't know, but I know it's near. I I got to read it again. It's Stockhausen on music, lectures and interviews compiled by Robin McConey. And um, there is an article called Composing Statistically. Ooh. Which should be right up your alley, right? 
It, to- it totally should be. Okay. So I want to I want to read this passage specifically about how he was creating these gestures that we're talking about that Carter and I are geeking over. So uh, yeah. it says uh, he says in 1956 I realized the electronic work Gassandra Yuling, Song of the Youths in the studio for electronic music at West German Radio in Cologne. In this work, it is possible to hear the realization of statistical processes. For example, I would give my three collaborators each each a sheet of paper with a curve drawn on it, all of them to be executed in 20 seconds to make a certain sound event. And I would say to the first collaborator, this time start the pulse generator at four pulses per second, follow the curves of the drawing and end up at 16 pulses per second. To the second, who was working with the potentiometer controlling the loudness level, I would say, let us take the dynamic range as being 40 decibels from this maximum to this minimum following the curve. To the third assistant, who was in charge of the electronic filter, let which lets through only a narrow band of frequencies from the signal, I would say, start at 3,000 cycles per second, follow this curve for 20 seconds, and finish up at 400 cycles per second. We had a large stop clock. We would start it, then uh, sorry. Then on page, page turn. Yeah, page turn. <laughs> then on a count of three, we would do the curves and do them again several times until we agreed it was all right by everybody. After that, we would make seven more layers of 20 seconds, each one a little different according to my definitions and superimpose them all. Naturally, I can't say exactly at which moment a pulse will occur. All I can indicate is a general tendency during the curve, and at the, and the same is true for the dynamics and the filter. But if we superimpose a number of curves which share an overall characteristic tendency, then it leads to a certain result which is a mass. A mass, moreover, with a very distinct shape and a very precise tendency compared to another mass. This method of composition of musical microtextures by statistical methods has become very important in music. All the different applications of chance and random techniques in music are nothing more than derivations of it. Sorry, yeah, that was long, and, you know, but but and 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 it it was it was quite nearly a mic drop. Except <laughs> I'm gonna go for the for the for the fact that um, both of you have talked about the idea of gesture and the idea of um uh shape and all these things and stockhausen's even talking about these these small units of 20 seconds i mean relatively speaking in, in totality of the piece 20 seconds is not yeah. a, a huge amount of time mm-hmm. um and so my my concern becomes with proportion of the larger scale. It's like what okay, what is what is the macro trajectory in this? Mm-hmm. And th- there's probably some that he's built in in this kind of this kind of uh, uh, statistical or or logical kind of pattern. The issue I take is love the idea, love the thoughts, excellent excellent uh, compositional technique and and pattern um, execution meh. I'm just left going, I'm just left going, really? No, I don't feel that. And I, hey, hey, oh, can I, can I sidebar, sidebar? This is such a European electronic music Mm -hmm. mindset. Three assistants. (laughs) Yeah. You don't, three assistants. You don't always go into the studio with three assistants? That's, I, I never, I, in fact, I rarely get out of bed unless my three assistants You don't leave home without them. (laughs) How, how else am I expected to, to, to art? To art. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen on its own. Excuse me, yeah. I'm arting. I'm arting. Yeah. That's right. Isn't there a t-shirt? I think there's a t-shirt that says that. There should be. If let's not, there it. should be. Yeah, let's wear it. Um, 
Oh, um, no, I, sorry, I think I was just going to say something like, yeah, I mean, uh, Andrew, I, I get where you're coming from. And I, I think partially I get where you're coming from because I, I, I am a mixed bag when it comes to Stockhausen. I'm not John Fielder. Let's put it that way. And, um, <laughs> you know, because uh, I, I think love, love, John. I, love I think if John were in this call, he would have said, well, Andrew, you can go fuck yourself. And he would have hung up. That's what he would have done. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But um, John, you're uh, John. You're never going to listen to this. You have better things to do. But, um, you know, it's funny when while while Rob was talking um, to drown it out, I started listening to some of the, this piece again. Um, and it, <laughs> I'm, I, I jumped in randomly, so I'm listening right now. I'm at 36, 46 seconds in. And um, I don't know if I'm going anywhere with this other than I still disagree with you. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, could, I don't know. Um, I'm, trying to th- I'm trying to think of a good way to like artistically phrase this. Uh, well, I, yeah. I, while, while you're coming up with that, I mean, yeah. I think that Stockhausen's idea that, oh, I'm going to pair the boy soprano and the electronically produced sounds and there will be this seamless transition from mm-hmm. one to the other. I don't really buy that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was that was his goal. Fantastic. I don't think it actually works in, well, in te- realistic. Well, the technology is not really conducive exactly. to, to, yeah. to making that happen. Right. right. Now, now it is certainly. Of course. But, but at, I yeah. mean, at the time, that's kind of what he was going for. And with the technology yep. he had available to him, he came as close as he could. But, you know, whenever, whenever you look at this piece and like you read that, oh, that was the that that was one of the things he was going for was trying trying to uh take uh this concrete sound and this electronic sound and have them try to become as close as possible mm-hmm. eh, you know that's that's one thing but also like wasn't wasn't he also really into um trying to der- uh, you know take uh language and kind of derive a syntax for creating electronic <laughs> gestures from language some I, I remember reading that. I mean, I haven't looked at the, the at any of the research in a while, but mm-hmm. I I do remember that being a thing that he was kind of into at that point, mm-hmm. and that's one of the ways the, he was trying yeah. to morph one to the other. And if I'm remembering correctly, too, this this is not just the uh, Stockhausen thing, but this is um, I mean, Berio has has a, a number of of pieces that involve similar types of. Um, linguistic unfoldings to try and create yeah. a grammar and syntax for electronic music. And Bar- and Barrio's Tema Maggio Joyce is the only other piece from that yeah. first decade that I will listen to. Yeah. That you'll listen to. Yeah. Those <laughs> for me, those are the first two masterworks of electronic music. Mm. And you don't agree. Hey, I I will acknowledge that they are a masterwork. <laughs> what? That is that is the most That's middle of the road I'm I'm running for state senate debate <laughs> statement I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> um, I will hear and, Andrew's just, dug in and he's not budging. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not. I just I won't. Uh, I, uh, I hear Gesang de Yunlinga and I'm like, yeah, okay, that piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just, that is that is not my go-to electronic mm-hmm. piece. Yeah. What is? Um, what, in what, what's an old of, one of that? Pre- yeah, like what? Say that again. What's an old one? Like a classic? What would be one that you like? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> well, that's a pro. That, I mean, that's your problem. <laughs> I mean, so I freely, I freely admit that a lot of that crap was crap. But you know, there are some good pieces in the in yeah. those first you know two decades of electronic music. There are some. 
that can be enjoyed without, you know, just appreciating that, oh, isn't this quaint? It was realized on such, you know, yeah. uh, on antiquated tech- equipment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can hear the punch <laughs> cards. Right. <laughs> I mean, you can you can get beyond that with several pieces. And, and mm. I happen to think this is one of them. Yeah. Like I don't. Mm. And that's what I do like about it is I don't hear. I hear the music more than I hear the technology. Mm. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't allow me to transcend that. Hmm. Like I, I will say that I don't necessarily hear the technology, but I do. It does not. It does not transport me to a musical, a musical mm-hmm. place. Uh, in the same way that, um, uh, you know, any any of the modern uh, electronic uh, 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 musicians. Hell, even even the Charles Dodge speech songs. Mm. I go to before before. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah no i'm not kidding you <laughs> i mean that the, i always use those pieces as like a punchline at the end of class or something you know it's like okay well see see you on friday but in the meantime yeah. you know yeah. what about andrew what about like super like articulation ligety what, what are your th- and and um what's the other one glissandi what about those just curious no, I'm uh, no. Nah. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not crazy about those either. Nah. I yeah, like um the only reason I like them is because then I like what what came after orchestrally, like atmospheres and Lontano, you know what I mean? And I love that like yeah, those were almost Lantano, electronic absolutely. pieces. So so for me like yeah. I, I love the electronic music of his just because I know what it leads to. I was just curious. Yeah. Hmm. No, I'm I'm apparently I'm consistent, sorry. <laughs> How, how dare you? Yeah. How dare I? When, when does electronic music get interesting for you then? Oh, God. Um, I, it, so it's going to depend on the composer, but, but more often than not, I feel like electronic music starts to get interesting for me late 70s, early 80s. But, but to be honest, I, am, I super geek out about the the moment where electronics becomes interactive mm-hmm. moment sure. it didn't it didn't just happen yeah. in one spontaneous mm-hmm. thing but but the idea that the electronics is uh again this is a technological issue for for Stockhausen but the idea that he's trying he's trying to meld the a fixed uh media that is synthetic mm-hmm. and a fixed media that is for all intents and purposes quote unquote natural right mm-hmm. and and manipulating these things to kind of um conflate them into one one electronic music mm-hmm. um i really feel like something like that starts to happen better yeah. with this this reactive mm-hmm. give and take with a live performer and a quote unquote live electronics so how about how about like boulez of the 80s when he started to kind of get into that stuff yeah i got other issues with boulez though (laughs) 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 all right how how about i mean how about davidovsky okay Uh, so so okay synchronisms or yeah synchronisms six 1970 (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah, that one's okay. Uh, yeah, that one's okay. That, that I mean, one passes sure. your standards, your majesty. It only won the Pulitzer, <laughs> but yeah. whatever. It's it's yeah, it's my it's my Turing test. It's your Turing test. <laughs> it was funny. Some, someone asked me the other day, a colleague who I I really like, and I, I he asked a good question of me. We're on a committee together, and he's not a new music or no, sorry, he's not a composer. He he does plenty of new music, but he um he said like, what do you think of Kendrick Lamar winning the Pulitzer? And I said I was like, 
I didn't like the last 10 people that won it, so it's not like Kendrick <laughs> was going to be the thing that broke the camel's back. And honestly, I like that album anyway, so in some ways it was kind of oh, refreshing, yeah. but but I was like, it's not like the Pulitzer was this pure, unpolitical yeah. prize that suddenly took a turn. Anyway, and that goes all the way back, I think, to, to 1970 as, as well. If if anything, I, I mean, for just just for me, if anything, mm-hmm. the Steve Reich winning the Lifetime Achievement Award for mm-hmm. the shittiest piece of shit he's ever written. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. That should be something. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, wasn't wasn't the, uh, Become Ocean also on your list, Carter? Okay, I, I will say it was, and there's a, there's a reason for that. So I I have mixed feelings about John Luther Adams, right? and I'll try to make this a somewhat short tangent. I would actually really like Become Ocean, or as we called it when I went to the Charlotte New Music Festival, Become Lotion. I don't know why, but that's just what we called it for like two months. It was really fun. Um, and uh, if it wasn't a stupid palindrome, that just yes. kills that piece for yes. me. It's so good yeah, up okay. to the halfway point, yeah, okay. and then it betrays yeah. everything that I value in art as soon as it starts the reversal. So if he had done anything <clears throat> else, I'd put it really good. And the first time I heard it, I was like going along, and I just yeah. it. and then it just kind of got uh, you know. It's and it's I, like yeah, a I, it's like a bad M Night Shyamalan yeah, twist or something. It's like oh fuck you. <laughs> That's a good comparison. Yeah. Oh, can, can I? I'm gonna butt in here though because I got two things and hopefully I'll be able to remember both of them. But odds are not good. Uh, so the idea that it's palindromic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we had floating on the list. I, well, I, I should say I had floating mm-hmm. on the list. Messeans Tarangalila, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that kills me. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. As soon as things start coming back. Mm-hmm. That we've that we've done previous. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. It's 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 on minute mm-hmm. eight thousand one hundred and two, <laughs> yeah. and I'm just. It's funny I'm that you say that, given that we're about to talk about Feldman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I have, but I have a defense against okay. that too. Oh, okay, well, uh, yeah. second second thing, sidebar, sidebar, because we brought up the the Pulitzer as a yeah. as a benchmark <laughs> of of composers. Um, and I don't think I had ever told, uh, uh, told either of you this, but when I first was studying in the master's program at Bowling Green, I uh, brought to my lessons with Burton Bierman every week a stack of literature. You know how we had the, the listening uh, – in graduate school, you have all this kind of listening assignment stuff for your, your private lessons, as, as one would expect. Um, but my task, self-imposed, was – to listen to every piece of music that has won the Pulitzer. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think on like week seven or whatever mm-hmm. it was, I came into to Burton Bierman's office and he looked at me and he just said, let me guess, another Pulitzer piece. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I did that. I, I think I did that with like the Academy Awards when I was like 15 or something. And um, mm-hmm. oh, thank there's you. A lo- there's a lot of bad <laughs> movies on the list anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Yeah. No. Okay. Well. Yeah. All right. So, so you you don't like shock. Well, you don't like this Stockhausen. You're never gonna That's like true. this Stockhausen. There's no one that probably can probably not. There's no one that can pry you out of that uh, hole you've dug yourself into. <laughs> nope. I'm dug in like a tick. All right. Well. Fair enough. I mean, there's you know what else can I say? That you're just well, you're just I, an I idiot. Be, can, and- <laughs> I, well, yeah, that, there's no accounting for taste. And and can I also just say for anyone who hasn't listened to the piece, go listen to the totally. freaking piece. Yeah. Well, man, should we? I mean, let's let's play a little bit of it. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Why not? I mean, he's not, not he's not coming after us for that, right? <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll get a I'll get another beer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sonne und Mond. Yeah, my vat is uh, is shrinking. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a good night. Anyway, um okay, well let's uh let's uh, all right, Carter, you or me? Mm -hmm. Who who wants to get yelled at first? Um well, I pride myself on being yelled at. It's a thing okay. that that occurs daily. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a badge of honor. Yeah. All right. Well, let's mm -hmm. yell at you for not liking Feldman. So, Yeah. What is it? What is it about mm -hmm. Feldman that that all of Feldman? Yeah, yes, all, every of the Feldman. I mean, he 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 he, he he's written a few pieces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and at to, least two, <laughs> if memory serves. Yeah, quite. I mean, he has at least five projections, even. Mm -hmm. So, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. you know, uh, so what is it about? Mm -hmm. Is there? I mean, I know you're kind of lumping it all together, but he sure. does. He he, he subtly has. Mm -hmm periods of yeah. of his compositional output so so what is it about him that you just can't mm -hmm. get into sure well and, and i mean of course i i should qualify a little bit that i don't think i've heard his entire output so it's probably unfair to to block it all off but everything i've heard has has kind of had a similar reaction for me and um again i i mean i, I do want to stress that i think um his sort of mindset that goes into compositions is, is really wonderful. And I appreciate it so much. And I remember when I read his, his collected writings, I just I, like the whole book was highlighted by the end. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I just, everything he said, I just was like, this is phenomenal. And this is great for young composers. This is great for old composers. And I think I was like, I think I had just started my doctorate when I had, it was a good time to read it. You know, like I, I kind of had a good historical sense of things. And so that was really good. And then I remember it, for whatever reason, just prior to reading his written works, I hadn't done much Feldman listening. It just didn't come up. You know, when I was studying with Elaney and we were doing live electronics pieces, she's not like, oh, go listen to Feldman this week. To, you know, um, it just it didn't make sense. You know, so I, I, I was listening to like very contemporary stuff, all sort of post 2000 and a lot of live electronic stuff. because That's what I wanted to do. I, I'd say the oldest composer I was listening to was Curtis Rhodes. So going back, you know, um, which uh, anyway. So, yeah, I, I guess for me, just 
I'm trying to think of the best ways to frame it. Like some of the things that I, I tend to value in a lot of music, the concepts of like really building uh, passages of greater rhythmic or um, harmonic or gestural intensity and dissonance. I feel like his sort of whole range, I can, I can make this, I can say this better. If you were to take all musical parameters, right? Timbre, pitch, register, uh, just all these sort of things. I feel like his range of expression is just compressed. It's just, it's just too compressed for me to get what I want out of it compared, you know, I like, I just, I really like dramatic music, which is why I'm going to defend the Schwantner in a little bit. You know what Drama I mean? Queen. Yeah, I know. I'm, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and I found that that's true across, uh, across a wide array of genres. So it, whether it's rock bands that I like or what, you know, like people that really bring kind of more drama to this. And so there's this austere quality to this music that I can certainly respect, but it just rarely gains momentum. It rarely takes off. It's rarely enthralling, but it's not like passive enough or tonal enough to kind of give me this sort of traditional emotive response that I might get from like Beethoven. So it just ends up in this uncanny valley of bullshit and nonsense and vapidness. <laughs> and I just feel like he's such a smart guy who just wrote... Just the worst stuff, uh, out of, you know, so, sorry. I built up to that for way too long for such a shallow criticism, but yeah, anyway. I, I think it got, it was an exponential curve. Yeah, it really, the end, so that was exciting. It really ramped up. But that's, that's, that's kind of what it comes down to. And I have just found every time I listen to his stuff, I just, I don't know. It's, it's like, you know, every time there's like a 20 year old and they write their first like solo unaccompanied clarinet piece or something. And it's like. It's like, that, is, that is literally how I sound <laughs> right and there's just like no concept of building momentum and and i just feel like that's his whole output there's just hmm. no momentum whatsoever hmm. okay i mean come the... at me <laughs> <laughs> what what you said about his you know all parameters kind of being compressed, mm-hmm. I actually kind of agree with you, sure. but f- I that doesn't that doesn't bother me at all because mm-hmm. because I mean all of it's like it's like thinking about dynamics how dynamics are relative, mm-hmm. right? So if you're if you're compressed into this little you know. It, the only dynamics for this piece are going to be piano to forte as opposed to, you know, quadruple P to quadruple mm. F or yeah. something like that. All the drama. <laughs> yeah. You can still mm-hmm. like if you if you make the kind of mental agreement that I'm going into that world as a listener mm-hmm. and I'm going to search for the drama as mm-hmm. opposed to it just slapping you in the face. Mm-hmm then I think you can find what you're looking for. Like I was listening mm-hmm. to, I was listening to piano and string quartet, the piece that we're allegedly yeah, we're, we're defending not, we're, today. We're not, we're, we're picking on it all. It's, it's okay. just, it's just, yeah. re, you know, generally Feldman, but I was listening to that piece today and I was kind of surprised that, mm-hmm. you know, it, it really starts a very slow, very mm-hmm. atmospheric, you know, just these simple arpeggiations in the piano and different, uh, registral and and different voicings of chords in the strings Mm -hmm. and that's all it is for a while you're right it's not much Mm -hmm. and but it's 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 the same way that i defend any sort of uh piece that has either a repetitive or a minimalistic texture it's like Mm -hmm. well 
okay, that's the, the more of the responsibility is placed on the listener in this context mm-hmm. than sure. the composer. Mm-hmm. So is is it fair to say that in your general uh, likes and dislikes of music, you mm-hmm. tend towards things that lead you as opposed to you having to find something in it? Yeah, I think that that's a reasonable thing to say that is is true in a lot of the art that I value. And and it doesn't mean that I necessarily feel like I want to be held by the hand the whole way, you know, and it, right. it's going to sound funny, but, yeah. but a, yeah. a good analogy, like um, that a lot of people talk about that with modern interfaces of like interactive entertainment or video games or VR, yeah. like how much is, are you just held by the hand and sort of led through basically an interactive movie versus how something much, that, you know. <laughs> how much are you just pressing X or whatever? Yeah, <laughs> yeah just at very precise time, you know, um, and so I, I certainly don't want to give the impression that I need every piece to sort of be this very clear cut, um, you know, uh, leads me along the way. But I would say I sort of maybe lean more that way. And I think that that's something true of, of the art. And I think, you know, if, if you I know you two are at least relatively familiar with some of my work. And if you think about my stuff, I think you'll realize I put that in the like the art yeah. you know, that I that I put like yeah. think of the coffee piece. Yeah. It's not subtle. You know what I mean? And um and, and so, yeah, I think I do value that. And and it's funny because what, what you said a minute ago, Rob, the, the thing that um I don't know. I I can't define drama as drama if you have to search for it. To me, that's those are those don't belong. I can't define it that way. Um, and that might just be part of you know that could just be an aesthetic clash we have. I'm not saying you can't look that you can't go deeper and find things to look for that might not be dramatic and apparent. But I think if it's gonna be drama, it's it is it's drama. You know. Can I can I maybe uh uh put a different kind of analogy on this because oh, yeah. you're you're talking you, you're kind of talking about being being led right you're being 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 led by the hand and and i i actually don't think given given your dramatic nature and uh, please do correct me if i'm wrong but given the dramatic nature you don't want to be led you want to be swept away <laughs> sure. what you, dramatic you, nature you andrew <laughs> you you want you want to be you want to be transport you want to be care you want you don't want to have a choice the piece literally just rips you out of your seat and pulls you into its mm-hmm. into its universe yeah is that is that um yeah I mean I I'm trying to not like because I feel like after having a, a large drink at 10.02 p.m. that I want to be careful to what exactly I agree to, but... <laughs> That's fair. But, I mean, um, yes, always always look at the fine yes, print. But but in general, I would say when you when you look at some of the, the artists and composers whose work I, I really sort of value and admire, I would say that that is a, a sort of common thread, and I feel like for me, I don't get that in Feldman. Yeah. Hmm. Um, you know, you were, you were talking about, like, artists that mm-hmm. you value. Do... Sorry, guys. Did you not silence your <laughs> cell phone? My wife is at work and my kids are up, upstairs asleep. Okay. Oh. All right. Hey, what's up? <laughs> he's, he's taking yeah. the call. Yeah. This should um, make it in. You're, you're, you were meant to pick up cookies for the composer bake sale tomorrow. All right. Yeah, there was a something. Just two, two boxes would be great. Just too much. Chocolate chip, please. Ch- chocolate chip. Uh, don't, don't get like the frosted sugar cookies. Just get like some generic, you know, yeah, chocolate chip or or something like that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I love you. Baby. <laughs> that was gross. No, it was wonderful. <clears throat> it was wonderful. Um, well, it was yeah. beautiful. Exactly. 
You were anyway. saying something, I think, Rob, right? I was saying something. Yeah. I have no idea what it was. At the... Oh, okay. So, artist. Um, do you, you know, Feldman was very in with the 1950s abstract expressionist. Mm-hmm. Are you into any of that kind of stuff? As, um, as it, art? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I am. What's funny, though, is I have never felt like Feldman's music fits any of the art that it supposedly goes with, just for what it's really? worth. Really? I don't... I, I, I mean, like... I don't know. Maybe that's a strong Wait, way to say it, but they really? don't. They don't WTF. die for me. They really. <laughs> why the face? Or, and um, I don't know. Yes. Why the face? Why the face? They yeah. They they don't drive to me for what it's worth. But that doesn't mean I'm uh, saying either is like wrong. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I never thought they'd drive together. But abstract expressionism. No, I'm on board with abstract expressionism. Because I think about you know I think about Rothko and Feldman yeah. and not and uh, you know not just Rothko Chapel, mm-hmm. um, but all all of the pieces of Rothko and it's, and since I lived in Houston for four years, sure. I got, I had the amazing opportunity to sit in front of those for a long, long time. And, mm-hmm. you know, there you're, you're talking about drama mm-hmm. and drama being played out in, in, in you know, it, it, you want, well, to use Andrew's phrase, you want to be swept away by it. Swept but away. I, th- yeah. I think there's... Swept away! I think there's so much more drama in a mm-hmm. Rothko piece than so many other, you know, like, surrealist or, or mm-hmm. you know, na- name a genre. Mm-hmm. And just, just be... But I do think you have to go looking for it, mm-hmm. you know? But once you find it, it is as powerful as anything else. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, so and maybe a, and yeah, hang on. and mm-hmm. maybe and maybe the well, fine then. The, sorry, and maybe the <laughs> shut up. <laughs> and maybe the looking makes that realization that much more powerful. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, I mean, and I I think I can agree with that on a lot of uh, a, like a ton of of art for sure. Um, and and the yeah, I agree. It's it's like the um. I'm going to give a really weird analogy here to explain okay. that. Okay, did you watch Westworld? I did not. Okay, so you should watch Westworld. If you don't okay. know, robot cowboys. and that's, That much I did know. That's all but... you need to know. And they're, they're in this theme park, right? And it's all these sort of like robot characters that you interact with. And you have all these sort of pre-written stories that you, when you enter the theme park, you could go and you could explore any of them, right? And... Um, there are certain characters sort of in the TV show that want more out of this. In other words, they're hoping to discover like a storyline or some kind of meta level arc that no one else who's entered the theme park has discovered. They want to be the first. And I I found people feel that way with a lot of video games as well, especially open world games. Like you play Legend of Zelda and you want to be the person that you feel like you discovered a temple for the first time and no one else (laughs) has done it, right? I don't even play Zelda games. I'm just trying to speak to the youth. But, um, you know, you you feel... In in other words, that, that gives you a sense of satisfaction. It makes you feel... I think it gives a sense of superiority and elitism, but not in a negative way and and i think that that can sometimes be true with music as well where we get these things and we listen for them and we discover these underlying elements potentially this underlying drama and that gives us a sense of satisfaction and it helps us feel that you know we we make sense of these things and that's one of the joys of listening to music and art but for and so I, in other words i'm kind of, i'm agreeing with what it is that you're saying i personally and maybe i just need to listen more or maybe and more likely i'm right when i say it's not in feldman <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, so so in other words i think 
Yeah, I, I, I agree a lot with what you're talking about of this finding drama. And I think that can be really great. And I think it's especially great when you find like meta level drama or background stuff that is creating other things that sort of swell and come up to these moments. But for me, that I just never quite get that out of it, particularly something like piano and string quartet. It's just, you know, I don't know. Maybe if I had been alive like you were when it was written, you know, but I'm... <laughs> oh, oh. We are not that dissimilar in age i know but we're dissimilar enough that 1985 is an it is an important year <laughs> i was born october of 84 come on <laughs> um anyway so yeah yeah i agree with what you're saying though i really do and i think that that's a wonderful thing that we can value in so many different forms of art uh, i i happen to think interactive storytelling is one of the best ways to do that because of the user input and how that sort of narrative is defined and and in my program that's becoming a big part of what we teach and vr is taking off here and so i'm pretty sure i've resigned myself to the fact that i'm going to end up teaching in like a video game design program and i mm-hmm. need to learn how to yeah. do all that in the near future because that's that's a profitable mm-hmm. way to keep academia going right now um but i think that that's absolutely true in music but i will be honest and say that there are times where I don't want to have to do that in music and there are a lot of pieces where I do enjoy that as well and I think sometimes people make the equation of like that to shallowness and I think that that's really unfair because we go to different types of music at different times for different reasons and sometimes like Andrew is saying maybe we do just kind of want to be swept away from that and I don't get that either from Feldman so then I'm left with just nothing for me to really to latch onto at the end of it. So, so I find an interesting thing that was was brought up in terms of the the visual art, mm-hmm. right? And and how uh, uh, Feldman is kind of influenced or inspired and what have you by by a number of visual artists, uh, his contemporaries. And the thing, of course, that visual art has over uh, temporal mm-hmm. art is uh, visual artists don't hold their audiences hostage. <laughs> Like the, I mean, this is the the composer. The composer's mo is to say, you know, uh, thou shalt listen to this piece <laughs> yeah. until it's done, mm-hmm. and I will I will one hundred percent attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Your and, mind uh, yeah, will not wander. The, the 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 Wagnerian kind of idea, right? This idea that uh, that and and for me, the thing that I like about Feldman in general is you can't really do that. I mean, come on, with a with a piece that's an hour and some odd minutes long, mm-hmm. your mind is going to wander, especially when, as Carter mentioned, all of those musical parameters are dialed down, mm-hmm. like all of those faders are just super low, um, and for me, there's a there's a bit of that. Um, kind of visual art aesthetic where you can decide how much of the piece you're actually engaged for. Mm-hmm. And and not only that, most of the time, and this this might be just a thing, most of the time that I've actually experienced Feldman in performance, it's actually in like an art gallery mm-hmm. or a space where I'm yeah. not sitting down for 18 days. Yeah. I'm literally wandering in and yeah. out of the piece mm-hmm. in different ways. And so for for me, um I I am I am much more fond of that than let's say being required to listen mm-hmm. to an entire Feldman piece in a single seated position just for the absolute beauty of it because I don't really think uh I don't really think it works in that way because 
you're not you're not allowed to you're not allowed to come to it mm-hmm. uh, uh, from a from a particular vantage point or to change mm-hmm. your vantage point as the piece progresses. And to be honest, the trajectory really it's not there's no trajectory there in some cases, or there's a trajectory that's operating so far in the background that it's not meant to maybe be perceived. Rob, Rob it sounds like I've won Andrew over. It's two against one. What do you got? <laughs> I don't I know, think no. you won me over. That's not it. I, maybe. <laughs> no, I actually, I, I actually completely agree mm-hmm. with Andrew that when I listen to Feldman, especially a long piece, I'm not paying mm-hmm. attention the whole time. And mm-hmm. I don't think, and like he said, I don't think it's meant for that. Mm-hmm. Just it, it's, he, he's, he's actually said that, you know, is some of his music is kind of wallpaper music, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, <clears throat> um, and, and, and th- this is the, especially when, you know, people, People are talking, oh, well, Feldman, oh, my God, it's just too long. And it's like, well, fucking people listen to Wagner go on and on and on and never fucking cadence. Yeah. In all fairness, I loathe Wagner. So, um, Well, that's good. I think we all agree. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Although, wait, wait, one of you, maybe both of you didn't like Brahms. Y'all go fuck yourselves for that one. But anyway. Oh, I love I yeah. love Brahms. Oh, no, it was me. That's a, it that's, was a, me. that's that's another podcast for a different p- composer collective, the Powdered Wig Collective. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I've I I like to say this just because it seems weird that anyone has actually done this. But I have mm-hmm. listened to his entire six-hour string quartet number two. Mm-hmm. Was I present for all of it? Absolutely not. Was mm-hmm. it background for most of it? Yes. But when mm-hmm. I was able to join in, mm-hmm. it was for it, it was for something that was you know uh, relevatory mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. particular mm-hmm. moment. And that's what I think he. That's if you are if you are assuming that he's going to grab your attention and hold it, mm-hmm. then you're then you are going in with the wrong expectations. Mm-hmm. If you just think I will re-enter this piece at different times and be blown away and that's the only expectation I have, mm-hmm. well, not maybe in, I will re-enter this piece and enjoy it yeah. at different times and then he <laughs> will provide a sonic background for my mind to wander mm-hmm. and for me to have a place where I can where I can think and not be distracted mm-hmm. by so many other things. I think that's one of the benefits of it for mm-hmm. me. If it's like, if you don't have any, if you're, if you're, if you are kind of held hostage in that concert hall, at the very least, I think he gives you an opportunity for your mind to wander and to have creative thoughts mm-hmm. while, and, and, and to be pulled out of that to hear something really cool. And so to bring this back to why I don't like the Stockhausen, um, no. <laughs> the, uh, the, the idea here is that uh, Stockhausen very meticulously has shaped our trajectory with all of these various curves and these various things. And for that amount of time and the specificity and the, and the precision-ish. And the idea is that I, I should theoretically be swept away by this, and I'm not. And the Feldman does not have that particular implication, and I listen to it on my own terms, and if it's wallpaper music, great. If it suddenly isn't wallpaper music, great. And yeah, I'm actually quite okay with that. Well, I think, I mean, this raises a really great point and I think one that I'm sure the three of us have all discussed with students at some point or another where we the expectations that we bring to a piece of music yeah. right 
And and of course, you know, and, and we, mm-hmm. we I think we probably talk about that all the time where, you know, if you listen to Schoenberg and you're expecting Beethoven, well, you're going to have a bad time, right? Because these are these are different things. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe you're a weirdo. I don't know. I've met some people. Um, and but but <laughs> you have met if some you people. French fry when you mince a pizza, you're going <laughs> to yeah. have a bad time. You're going to have a bad time. Uh. But here's here's the thing, because when we talk about the expectation of of listening to, let's say, Feldman. So one we have to we have to decide well then if it is in the concert hall versus in the art gallery then you know are are we do we not have the right to be dismissive of it for being in the wrong environment straight up oh yeah right? you know yeah, what i mean like yeah. is does that, it does it is that the yeah, wrong piece does it command yeah. my respect in a in a place that that creates expectation which is the concert hall which is where i've heard feldman right and then huh. and then the other concept too is that you know, like we, you can say like, okay, it's wallpaper music. So therefore I allow this sort of thing to happen. Right. And I may not expect it to enthrall me or hold my attention the whole way, the whole way. I will say that I do value music that does do that. I'm not saying every moment, right. I'm human and my mind will wander. Right. You know, we have that, but nowhere near to the extent that it will with something like Feldman, which becomes this kind of more meditative (laughs) process, which certainly drives in with what he might, he and Rothko might say. Right. But it, to me, it kind of comes at it within this set of expectation. And I, I remember there was one time at like Seamus in the twin cities a long time ago. And, um, uh, you know, I think the two of you know me well enough to know that at a conference, I don't go compliment people if unless I think it's really good, right? I, I won't say mean things. I don't right? either. Yeah, but I don't, I just avoid them after. And if they want to come talk to me, I'll just say like, yeah, those speakers are loud. <laughs> you know, I don't know what to say. Like, don't come fishing for compliments. I'm not going to give them to you. And I remember there's one like kind of really just like, every. Long... Everyone at Boston needs to come and find Carter now. Hey, Carter, what'd you think of my, oh my piece? God. That's right. Yeah, I forgot. I'm, not, I'm running a room at Seamus. This is a bad idea. So, um, yeah, no one, no one will listen. But I, I'm sorry. I'm being hyperbolic here. All right, no, I'm rambling. But um, it's it's concept. Like I remember, I talked to one one other kind of peer of mine, and he he sort of was digging into me to kind of get some response on his piece that I really didn't like. It was this long, drony, meditative kind of boring thing that didn't hold my attention for any amount of time. And, and I remember he said, I said like, I don't know, it was kind of boring and it kind of lacked this and that. And then he went like, yeah, well, it was supposed to be boring, man. And I was like, well, go fuck yourself. Cause no one cares if that's, you know, <laughs> like if, if you're coming at it with that mindset of like, yeah, well, you know, it's wallpaper music. And like, I suppose you can chime in every once in a while. To me, that is already problematic it, it, mm. for me. You know what I mean? Like I don't yeah. jive yeah. with that and I don't jive art which uses that as a bedrock. So it, it's just very difficult for me to find something from that, right? I like Brahms because honestly, that shit can hold my attention for 90 minutes. You know what I mean? Like it can. I'm, I'm picking on Brahms because you said previous things, but there's plenty of other examples, okay? I could have where, said a million other things. Where where do you stand on, on you know, like 1970s minimalism then? Nah, the biggest fan. Okay. <laughs> um, All right. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. All right. Not. I mean, there are moments, and I appreciate the historical purity of that sort of like, you know, pendulum swinging the other way. And I, I think that there's like a couple of hot moments where I'm like, yeah. And then it just could have stopped. But Okay. I mean, at least you're consistent. Yeah. So. for the Yeah. 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 No, I didn't. I don't know if I put, I don't remember what I put on my list. If I just said like, I should have just said minimalism at all. <laughs> that just should have been what it said, but not quite. That's being a bit too, too particular. So. All right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough.
That's where I'm at. I, I think I think you both raised fantastic points on this. And I honestly, I will try to go at this listening with a different mindset. Because if there's anything that can come out of these conversations or maybe people listening to it, to our seven listeners, that they... No, um, excuse more than that. I know, me. I know. I know. <laughs> That's I know. like the eighth time. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. I don't know why. I think this is a great podcast and I don't know why I'm being so deprecating towards it. But I'm just a because you're a glass of wine in and yeah, you don't I'm, drink. Yeah. That's why. I'm, I think so. And I just... It's this whole first year of the tenure track thing. Jesus Christ. Um, oh it's, yeah it is it's a exciting around the track. it's exciting big right? is on sabbatical it, i it's just, he's just gone so anyway um, but uh, you know but really <laughs> and like the, the concept of others who might hear these things that you know if we're gonna go at it and now listen and reframe our listening minds i think that's really useful so I, that that yeah. will be my plan we, i'll probably listen to this tomorrow i honestly will
All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Carter just made me look bad. I guess I have to go listen to Gazangte Yunlinga again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I listened to the piece that I hate today. Mm-hmm. Let's just, bring that just up. so I can tell you how much yeah. I hate it. I listened to the piece you hate today too. That was the one I had time to go through the whole thing of. I didn't have time to go through the whole Feldman, but yeah, I'm going to pull well, it up here too. Who does? <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So okay. are we are we diving in? Are you telling yeah, us why I, it's horrible? Yeah. Three okay. words: metallic mallet percussion. <laughs> oh, that's, that, oh, you're totally coming it? at this from the percussionist standpoint. <laughs> no, okay. I have a list, but that was oh, the okay. that was the very first. You and Garrett. The, <laughs> that was the very first thing I wrote down. Mm-hmm. I. It's okay. I mean, th- this is another thing, but the metallic mallet, whether it's a, a Glockenspiel or Crotales or whatever the hell he's using, mm-hmm. you know. It sounds like the 1980s. It just sounds, mm-hmm. I mean, it was written in 1979, but the entire yeah. 80s looked at this piece, was like, oh my God, that's amazing, and everyone copied it. So I, mm-hmm. I, I think I hate it because it's just <laughs> like, I hate Creed because they spawned so uh-huh. many horrible bands. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, okay. I get what you're saying. I mean, I'm trying to, I don't know if I can put that that's to me that's kind of putting the cart ahead of the horse a bit though you know like and I I feel like just cuz you did something potentially first and potentially did it well cuz I mean I do personally think it's done well that you know I don't know I feel like I can think of other examples that would that would really turn that on its head I mean like you know Corelli used suspensions are those ruined for you Rob No they're gorgeous <laughs> I love Corelli yeah, no, well, and they're these beautiful chain suspensions. I mean, my God, who couldn't love those? <laughs> so, so I'm gonna, I'm well, hang gonna on, hang on. I just want to, I, I just want to go straight through the list. The if list. that's okay. okay, you're right. I'm sorry, I shouldn't. Uh, yeah. All right, all, all right, right, all right. And you can, you can knock air, these off. Air your grievances. I, is the airing of grievances, right. and next we will have the feats of strength. I'm taking notes. Okay, percussion. <laughs> okay, it sounds like the 1980s. You got mm-hmm. that one. That's the second he, one. Yeah. He makes the orchestra sound like shit. Okay, okay. I just so I can clarify, would you say do you think it's bad orchestration? Is that what I is do. that Okay, that's fine. I, I actually, I actually okay. do. Okay. I, I, I do think it's it's bad orchestration. Mm-hmm. Um everything in the whole piece, like anything that's important, ends up being harp percussion percussion and piano. It's mm-hmm. like if you wanna, mm. if 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 that's your piece, go write a heart percussion and piano piece. Don't make the other eighty members suffer through this. Mm-hmm. It has every cliche, and I realize that these weren't cliches at the time, mm-hmm. but I live <laughs> now, and yeah. now it is a cliche. Like just about everything he did. I mean, we're talking about the you know the the crystal wine glasses or the glass mm-hmm. harmonica or the singing and making the orchestra singing, sing. Yeah, yep. you know that that mm-hmm. kind of stuff has rippled through large ensembles in so many contexts, and it's just bad. Every sound is abrasive. Okay, we're talking about the mallet percussion. He makes the strings sound abrasive. He used the tube, the uh, chimes or tubular bells or whatever you want to call them. He uses the high flutes. Everything is abrasive. Mm-hmm. 
The strings sound like they're barely hanging on for dear life. The strings sound like shit in this piece. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that's like 50 members of the orchestra. You're making 50 people sound like shit. Okay? I can't believe I'm saying this, but there is just too much fucking percussion in this piece. Too much, yeah. It makes it sound like a bad band piece. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So the so it makes it sound like a Joseph Schwantner band piece. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just the, don't like much of his band music, but yeah. I well, I okay. The big moments in this piece, they don't really have any payoff. Mm-hmm. Like he, we never get there, you know. And that, and that's I for for me, that's that's a a consequence of just orchestration. I know like this piece is looked at in many orchestration classes for whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't see it. Mm-hmm. I don't see what was so great about it that we should be looking at it forever and ever. Of course it was different. Mm-hmm. Like I give it yes. that it was yeah. different, yeah. especially yeah. at that moment in time. But just because it's different doesn't mean it's great. Oh, yeah. Um, it, and I, I did a little bit of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. I might not like this piece because I was so into his uh, percussion concerto that he wrote for Evelyn. <clears throat> sorry, his percussion concerto that he wrote for Evelyn Glennie. Mm-hmm. I was into that for a long, long time when I was in high school yeah. and undergrad. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. like me being into Steve Reich and you know composers like that. At that same time, I kind of detest what I used to be into at that time (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it represents a past version of myself Mm. as a composer that I'd rather leave behind (laughs) at this point. Yeah. So so I think maybe this piece is kind of lumped in with all that other stuff. Mm. Maybe about my chemical romance. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Brings out a time in my life. Um. I, I don't really like the fact that this piece is so high in the orchestra. Mm-hmm. It's like just the upper orchestra for the majority of the piece. And when you yeah. finally get a low end, it's just cluttered down there. It's it's yeah. like it's just muddy orchestration. And if that's what he was going for, well, he achieved it, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I have to like it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. um and the ending. Uh, well, I, I mean, towards towards the end of the piece, I, I just kind of, as I was listening again today, I kind of had this realization. There is no meaningful transformation of ideas throughout. It's like when he gets to the edge of a climax, it, it's it's like he just says, oh, okay, I'll just go back to that uh, glockenspiel piano harp thing that I've mm-hmm. just been hammering over your head the whole time. Yeah, Those are my grievances. That's quite the list. I oh, I, that's quite the list. I, I, I told you I don't like this piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you've you've given some so so your challenge is make me like this piece. Make you like this oh, piece. that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, why no, should Rob, I like this, <laughs> Rob? I I uh, for what it's worth, I I either can agree or very much see where you're coming from, uh, kind of on all these points. Just to let you know. Um, I, I really, um, I could see what you mean about the percussion being overused. Yes, I agree. It's very much the sound of the 1980s, but the 1980s was a weird time. So I'm going to let that stand. In all facets and, of culture. In all facets. Although for what it's worth, I actually think now that we've gotten a bit away from it and we can historically contextualize the 80s and the 90s, I think the 90s is the musical and cultural ghetto compared to the 80s that I think was really rich and wonderful. Um, 
Uh, just, just do, do you mean in in all musical landscapes or just like the kind of concert all, music? Almost everything. Movies, Hollywood, records, all sorts of stuff. I really do feel that. And we can talk about that another time. But fashion, television. Yeah. I yeah, mean that. Interesting. Yeah. That's okay. You, 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 I understand <laughs> it. I'm throwing a lot at you right now. You'll realize I'm right later in the middle of the night. <laughs> It'll kick in. But um, so okay. and. Yeah, sure. Certainly. I mean, I had never really thought about like the overuse of the harp. The moment you said it, I was like, oh, you know, that harp does get relied on quite a bit, you know, so I can I can see that cliches. I get where you're coming from, but I can't fault it for that because they weren't cliche. I get where you're exactly. I, and I know, um, like, I, yeah, I, I know put that know. caveat know, in you know. just, just because I'm like, they're cliches now. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I get it. They weren't mm-hmm. then, but they are now. And I'm I am now. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. Yeah. So for me, what uh, I, in other words, I can agree with all of your sort of criticisms and I, I don't even know if I would want to counter them directly. If I were to try to defend this piece for me, I would just bring in some of the other elements that you necessarily didn't critique okay. that I think are really effective. And for me, the number one thing with this piece is its approach to harmony. And I just think it's so wonderful. And I think in this era of, you know, we've gone through modernism, postmodern is alive and well, minimalism is alive as well. We're getting to, you know, close to the 21st century. And of the people that I sort of associate with Schwantner, and I think of people like, um, I mean, like Marilyn Schrute, I think sounds a lot like Joseph Schwantner at times. I think they have a similar harmonic palette at times. I think to some extent, um, what's his name? Michigan Pulitzer Prize winner, um, Songs of Death and Experience, or Innocence and Experience. Um, Bill Bolcom, sorry. Um, oh, I, yeah, I think that Bolcom. he also inhabits this kind of, you know, mildly progressive tonal palette without being this sort of out there, you know, modernist reactionist. I mean, I'm not saying it's not reactionist, but w- w- whatever bubble of sort of people that I personally put together, I'm not saying they should belong together, but I feel like his approach to sort of harmony and gesture and rhythm and how those things intersect is just wonderfully inventive and super effective at sort of controlling consonance and dissonance and so even if it's too abrasive and not effectively orchestrated as effectively orchestrated as it could be that underlying like the roman numerals if you will (laughs) um are are good i just think they're so good and i don't know to me just as a composer when i hear it i just keep going like what a great decision to go from that note to that note that was the right call you know and i don't think about that with a lot of stuff because notes don't mean a whole lot to me in a lot of stuff notes are just high versus low i don't give a shit they're just yeah yeah that's that's high praise coming from you (laughs) right and so yeah exactly so to like these notes as much as i do that's that's where it comes from for me okay so uh I- interestingly enough uh, this is obviously one of the pulitzer pieces on you on probably the list have of pulitzer pieces that i may have brought of... into burton bierman's office mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah this was was written in 1979 and it's the the i think it, it won the 1979 pulitzer if i'm if i'm remembering you are correctly. correct um uh cool i get to keep my doctorate sweet <laughs> um the the because that's how we play this game right um the uh, uh, I, I, I come to the orchestration side of things, uh, and of course, you know, timbrely, the things that are cliches, of course, the the ensemble instrumentalists singing and and using their voices, and the the crystal glasses. I mean, of course, you know, uh, George Crumb is uh, uh, using crystal glasses. I mean, like, like these timbral nuances and things are, are floating around in the air. Um, and I, I don't have so much of a problem with, with any of that. And actually, in terms of orchestration, Schwantner's pretty meticulous about, about 
orchestration and and gesture um uh to the to the point where in in masterclass kind of situations and settings that that was always the that was always one of the first thing at least in the one the one masterclass that I sat in with with him that was always the first thing on his agenda his, his like his um the the axe to grind was always how how the orchestration could be improved in in the piece, so it was it was something very like very much on the forefront of his mind. So I'm really interested about about that part, and I think it maybe goes to you're talking about the the registration, like yeah, like the the highness, and then when the lowness comes in, it's just like this muddy cluster of of things. I have to say, I guess I'm not as offended by that orchestration as I am by uh, and and I know we hadn't brought this up, but uh, some some of John Harbison's music just is a little grating the ba- the band music where it's like god really all those clarinets are in unison and like in the altissimo range that's just not a good idea i mean <laughs> as a clarinetist I- i'm not gonna defend um, john harbison so <laughs> <laughs> well i will but no, I, won't. I will not um, um so so i yeah so can you unpack orchestration for me a little more i know you did a little bit but so here you know responding to your uh to your anecdote about sitting in with him in a master class i'm sure he is very meticulous about orchestration it's just his orchestration ideas and my orchestration ideas are oh they aren't jiving they aren't, yeah, okay. they aren't jiving that yeah. that's just the thing and like it is robin and i don't i'm not being sarcastic here the piece you had played in china the orchestra piece and you played it here that's phenomenal and I'm saying this so oh, yeah. our listeners know you're a really good orchestrator. And I genuinely mean that. I said that to a student here the other day. They were like, remember when Rob came? And I was like, that dude writes for the shit out of orchestra. So I'm just, <laughs> I, in, in other words, because I, you know you're a good orchestrator. I know it. But the the nine or ten people now listening, <laughs> Ooh, they we might not some. know it. I know. We're in double digits. I know. I know. That's great. Yeah. Well, th- thank thank you for saying that. Oh, of course, um, yeah. But, but, and, and, and I will admit that maybe I come to the orchestra with a, with a more traditional approach. Um, and I, I think that is probably just coming from a more realistic, uh, you know, I'm not Joseph Schwantner. I'm not going to get any orchestra piece that falls out of me just played. So Mm -hmm. I don't have the luxury of, of, uh, trying things, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and, to to his credit, he tried this. It's just I don't think it makes the orchestra sound good. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's it, a reason it, it's not played super often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's I mean I mean there's there's several reasons, and of course money is a sure. money is a huge yeah. issue. I mean because whenever you the the doubling the doubling fees for singing and other ah, things, you know sure, those yeah. those can be those can be um uh what what's the word uh uh, barriers, barriers yeah, to entry, sure. right? Yeah. That, right. That's, yeah. I mean, I think this piece falls into a class of pieces from that, you know, late, uh, late 20th century of symphonic works that I've just completely ignored mm-hmm. because it it's just not, it's not all that interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it is pushed. Yeah, can I also say relevant? It's not all that relevant right. to you in in terms of in terms of what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 you're right. It's it's not all that relevant to me. It's the it's all stuff by people who were pushed to their uh who who were elevated to be in positions mm. that they could they could just have all this stuff performed. What you know mm. at the time. 
whenever you know when they wanted and and i mm-hmm. I, I just i i don't think it represents the the best that an an orchestra can be it's like you know you, you you've had uh so many so many hundreds of years of things being done for the orchestra and then just like you've had so many hundreds of years of harmony being you know inched forward a little bit a little bit a little bit and then you get a break with schoenberg and then all hell breaks loose you get a break that's the first time i've <laughs> anyone ever heard it referred to it's just a break you know it's it, take 15 guys we'll be back <laughs> i meant it's to a break like that not, i know, I, not know. A... <laughs> I, just like, I just liked how it's take five guys we're yeah, just gonna cool. we're just gonna take a breather on the harmony there <laughs> yeah. um but but the, and and it, it's it's reaction Right. Mm-hmm. So it, to me, like that, ge- that uh, generation of composers who were writing for the orchestra, it's it's a reaction to what had been done so much in the past. And they, you know, for me, they went too far. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just mm-hmm. like there. I, I and I, it's I think it kind of sounds like I'm saying that oh you shouldn't try anything oh you shouldn't explore mm-hmm. it's just no go do it but realize when it sounds like shit and don't do that <laughs> sure you know yeah so I think I think sorry to, sorry Carter oh, no, uh, no. the 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 um maybe one of the biggest qualms well maybe two of the biggest qualms with your with your orchestration uh, was the the large amount of percussion yeah. and as and as a percussionist you you have a, a certainly a different take on it than than uh, a lowly clarinetist mm. would so that's perfectly fair but but your other your other thing mm, th- that kind of goes hand in hand and might be more to the point the strings yeah. you, you you weren't all that and so and so coming uh and this is from someone coming from rice uh you you uh the orchestra there is quite good yeah, a little bit uh and and the the writing for orchestra there, there's a there's a background you have there, i mean there's a reason why you're a good orchestrator okay so putting that out there and the fundamental regardless of how any of the winds brass or percussion feel the fundamental unit within the orchestra are the strings and so if you come out of an orchestra piece perhaps feeling like that fundamental cohort was not utilized in a way conducive to the ensemble fabric or or maybe highlighting their strengths um yeah i could i could possibly see that being a detraction to to the orchestration at the same time how how rather fresh and inventive uh uh flipping it on its on its ear as so many other composers of the previous generation did saying do do, but do we have to do that no i i i will definitely concede like those those steps in history should be taken like this piece Mm -hmm. needed to happen you know, and pieces like it. They if need for nothing else, so it doesn't happen again. Yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> because okay, no, I mean, I, I, I do agree that the strings should be. I, I mean, I, I don't think they should be the most important part of the orchestra. You know, they should be an equal member, like, like every other part of the orchestra. I think the percussion equal. I think that I, I tell all of my students who are working on uh, big ensemble pieces, whether it be band or orchestra or whatever, the percussion should be an equal member. But mm. in this one, the percussion is like. They're, they have 50% of the responsibility of the piece. 
You know, yeah. and I don't, I don't, I think that's too much. I think it skews the piece and especially the piece's sound in one direction. I think the strings mm. have almost nothing to do other than play in clusters and sound like, it sound like every string is, I, you know, I haven't looked at the score, but I'm guessing there's a dare, lot of uh, Divisi in this piece because the strings don't sound dare, like anything. Dare we, mm-hmm. Yeah, dare, dare we say aftertones of infinity? <laughs> I'm going to... I'm gonna throw my computer away. Um, with but, you, but you know what I mean. The st- the, mm. the string. Because Derek Carter, the you're supposed to be on my side. <laughs> but well, okay. But I mean, what if we extrapolate that logic to, to other instances? I mean, if a piece uses this, I mean, think about how many or- orchestral pieces you probably like that use the strings too much, but you've never thought they use the strings too much. You know what I mean? Like just because they're because the percussion has a a a, a, a louder and more sudden transient. Is it, does it mean that it can't carry an orchestra piece? You know what I mean? Like, so yes, I, even though that. I get where you're saying, I truly do. I can agree with like overuse of percussion, but if we want to open that up, that means we have to really dislike all the Beethoven symphonies because the strings are just doing too much. Woo! <laughs> Bam. Carter dropped his mic. <laughs> no, it's a, it's on a stand. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's good. I mean, <laughs> I d- I just think in this particular piece, there mm-hmm. and and actually most of Schwantner. I mm-hmm. mean. That's probably why percussionists love Schwander because they, yeah. he actually writes for them. Mm-hmm. There's stuff to do. I, that's yeah, right. Yeah, there's stuff to do. It's just like it's I, – I, I just think it's not done in the most tasteful way. Sure. Oh, yeah. And, and, um, I, and I'm not going to – I'm not going to try to change your evolved sensibilities of taste that, you know, have, <laughs> I don't that know only percussionists have. I mean, yeah. 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 Well – well, the the nice thing too is is of course Schwantner is remarkably consistent. Uh, I yeah. mean, what was uh, 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 the mountain and the mountains rising nowhere is from seventy seven, right? I yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, weren't you alive, Rob? We <laughs> were you were you in high school then? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Andrew's oh, the oldest one here, aren't you? I, I, I don't know. I uh, yes, okay, I am. I actually, did, I actually don't. I don't <laughs> yeah, know the yeah. ages of you two. I just decided to pick on you, Rob. But I think I think I'm doing this because I turned thirty the other day, and I'm now really ang- I have anxiousness about age, and so I'm I'm overcompensating by attacking. Wait, you're only thirty. Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> oh, yeah, we're not close ago. in age then. Yeah, yeah, I know that's right. I didn't want to say it. I'm sorry, but when you said that, I was like, are we though? <laughs> you said eighty five. I thought anyway. It doesn't yeah, matter. No, so, yeah. Anyway, um, but. Yeah, I, yeah, Schwanner is consistent. You're right. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, this this does this mm-hmm. does fall within the harmonic, as Carter mm-hmm. brought up, and orchestrational timbral, as Rob has mentioned, mm-hmm. like like vocabulary that he's established in the late '70s, mm-hmm. and and that's uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. that's, yeah, this is very much a Schwanner. I mean, piece. I I will admit, like as I was listening to this, I wasn't trying to knock it. You know, I was actually yeah. trying to find places where like, oh, you know, that's 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 mm-hmm. pretty good. You know, if I if yeah. I if I had to come around to this piece, I could find some moments. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to be honest. But I, there, there's just, they're few and far between or well, non-existent for you. Yeah. You know, maybe one other thing I could say on this, especially in the defense of the piece. Um, and, and I'm not trying to defend Schwantner at large because I definitely have some problems with it, with his his music. But um, 
like if we're thinking about the late 70s, early 80s, and I think even if we can't necessarily put it in words, I think the three of us and a lot of people who might listen to this would sort of know what we mean when we say the sort of sound of that era of acoustic yeah. composers that were writing for large ensemble, right? I think we we sort of know what that means. And I, I, I'm going to make this very clear. I'm not comparing um, Schwantner to Mozart. I'm just going to use this because it's going to be uh, useful. Like when we, we we talk about the classical era and my God, weren't they all sounding the same, right? And I always like to compare <laughs> and I always do that in my classes because my students are like, was Mozart really that great? And then I go like, well, I tell you what, let's listen to a concerto by Carl Ditters von Dittersdorf. <laughs> and, and then I, I play some Ditters von Dittersdorf and it's just so bad compared to someone who sounds so similar in a lot of surface ways, right? Especially if you don't read, you yes. know, it, I think that's one of those things yeah. where when they start to understand why Mozart is better than Dittersdorf, they're succeeding as young music majors. So I use that all the time. And I, I'm i just going to say, I think that Schwantner compared to a lot of these other people in the late seventies, early eighties, who were writing these large ensemble abrasive or these sorts of things. I do think that this piece at the very least is way better than a lot of other stuff for, and, and better than a lot of stuff being written today by the people who that are just older composers right now who are still doing this and you go to sci okay. conferences and you'll hear a schwantnerish sounding piece it's often one that might get selected for an yeah. orchestra you know what i mean like that those might get <laughs> yeah, played yeah. not not necessarily as difficult but in that realm these people that are maybe 60 plus or so that have been really influenced by this and i still think this piece is a lot better <laughs> than a All lot right. of that stuff no that i that that's that's a good point. The the Mozart versus Dittersdorf. <laughs> yeah, right. And please, again, I do, I'm not saying Schwantner is to Mozart. Like, I'm using it just as, as an allegory here. I don't think he's the Mozart of the 70s and 80s by any means. I, no, we lived in a post-Mozart no, no, era, and we have for some time. That's not a, a figure that can exist anymore. But, um, yeah. Yes. Well, and and I think I think it's uh, it's it's kind of a, a good analogy, and this is coming from someone who I mean I consider myself, for all intents and uh, intents and purposes, uh, you know, the Dittersdorf of the 21st century. So I'm fine. Yeah, I'm totally. I know. I know my place <laughs> you, in history. <laughs> you are. You are no. Well, let me let me put it this way. I think any of the three of us would be lucky to climb to the level of Dittersdorf because at least we all yes. know Dittersdorf's name yes. and his music is still played to this day. You know what I mean? It is. It's not. <laughs> But, you know, or just like any of those guys coming out of the Mannheim school that were all writing this just incredibly derivative string music. And it's like, how many friggin stomachs were there? Like 45 of those guys. And, you know, it's just all a crescendo, you know, and and I feel like that's kind of the same thing with some of the Schwantner stuff where you where Rob, you're talking about these cliches. And I, I do get that for sure. Yeah. Thank you. 
I'm, I'm, I might, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely give it another yeah. listen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, and that this isn't, isn't this so nice? I mean, the idea that uh, I don't know that our aesthetics really are going to move all that much on these pieces, but at the same time, I think it's always good to, to continually challenge yeah. our where where we've placed all of these things. I mean, right? I when I was uh, studying for the for the comps for the doctorate, I had a I had the this kind of same thing with my colleagues that I was studying with, with Beethoven. Mm. Fucking hated Beethoven mm. for a long time. And it was during the comps where I was kind of mm. like forced to confront the genius mm. of Beethoven mm. that I finally mm. was like, all right, 
you know, and it was for totally non-musical reasons that I didn't like Beethoven. I I, mm-hmm. I understood later, like I had yeah. a kind of yeah. prejudice against him because of you know because of uh, basically because at, at the time you know and to still to this day my father like he he loves his Beethoven, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. me Beethoven was like I can't compete with Beethoven, so I'm just gonna hate him. You know, <laughs> that's a good way. I feel like that describes like every time any any man has ever had a crush on a girl, right. and there's a better looking guy next to her, and he's like, "Well, Ben, fuck that yeah, fuck guy." Fuck that guy. <laughs> yes, right. That's just, that's what they're my... Also, on a very unrelated note, I think I just realized that my mic has been pointed the wrong way the whole night, and we've been getting the reflections off my monitor. But the levels oh, good. look good, so I think we're gonna be okay. <laughs> But I don't know if it'll make a difference. Maybe Aren't you're you like a technology person? Well, that's or... what they pay me for. What if I turn it around? Does it Holy sound? Shit. Does it sound yeah. better? It sounds way better. Oh well, then we're there. We go. <laughs> that's so, oh, we're in trouble. So we were talking about Stockhausen, and let's. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about adjective new music or lexical tones please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com.